Welcome to another episode of Mr. Therapist and the Cancer Podcast. We are your guide to personal recovery, whether you're dealing with an addiction, a mental health issue, or you're just trying to figure some things out in life. We empower your growth and uh, demystify the process of therapy. You got it, bro. I got this. My name is Manny Romero. This is Jesse O. And we got a special guest, Elizabeth Gallo. Elizabeth Gallo. I like Liz. Thank Liz. you. Liz. Liz. She goes by Liz. And she's got a practice, Resilient Lotus Psychotherapy. Yes, and sir. you can follow her on Instagram at Resilient Lotus. Right? Psychotherapy. At Resilient Lotus Psychotherapy. We'll put it in the handle and everything in the description. Jesse O. Here we go. Right, we're here here on the No Mistakes podcast. No Mistakes. Jesse gets so mad. Liz knows. She's been witnessing. (laughs) Jesse's been on a rant. He's such a grumpy old man. Grumpy old man. What was it? After you were 55, you started just like getting a little more grumpier? Yes. (laughs) Yes. We got to be balanced, guys. Balanced. You were saying, Liz, before we started this, you were talking about being perfect. You said there is such thing as perfect? No, like I'm saying perfectionism is a thing. It's a thing. It's just okay. not attainable. Got it. It's not attainable, right? 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, he was, she was validating that you were really? have such perfecting standards. No, not me. Yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's not no, what I was not, really never mind. saying. I don't know. You're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly screwed up is we, what I am. So we have, a, we have a guest today, Liz. Liz Gallo. And yes, Liz sir. is an LMFT. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have your own practice. You just started, right? Yeah, yes. It's in the beginning phases. That's so exciting. It is. Yeah. It's Did you always want to know that you wanted to do your own thing? or No. So um, even when I got into grad school, it always felt very daunting. And like, I don't know the business aspect of things. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm never going to. I'm like, I was very adamant that it was never going to happen. And it wasn't until like... Probably like a year or so ago, I started to really like, I wonder, you know, because I got into a group practice. Yeah. Um, but um, so probably in the last year, I got a little bit more serious about it. And I was like, OK, I feel like I can. Real I quickly, just for levels. anybody um, that's out there, like what's a group? What do you mean by group practice? Just for like the people that are like, what? So a group practice is where, again, like it's owned by somebody else. OK. Um, and they hire different therapists. Uh, so that it's um, more than one person. It's kind of like the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> what Avenger it's would you be? Nothing like no, the not Avengers. <laughs> I was trying to really hype up this crew. You no, know, but so. it's kind of like what's the 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 team that um, uh, the guy um, with the eye patches on? Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, no, that's not a team dog. From, from the Avengers. Oh, um, Nick, Nick, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's like his company. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it makes more sense though. Yeah. yeah. He hires need, the Avengers. You need Avengers references to understand. This yeah, process. but basically, you got to dumb it down real, <laughs> real so low, bro. So it can involve like only licensed therapists. Some people do licensed and associates. Um, but part of the selling point is so that you're not alone. Mm. Yeah. And usually the owners will handle the admin aspect. And even at my, where I work now, they fill my caseload. So yeah. those are kind of like the benefits. Gotcha. Um, and there's usually like um, with the pay a split. So like a 60-40, 70-30, depending on what's wow. offered. But Yeah, and it's yeah. it's probably just easier that like if you're getting started just for people mm-hmm. to find you, it's like you get clients a little bit faster and whatnot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But congratulations. It is a very scary process to start your own. I your know. Own. I almost quit when I was trying to even get the business license because I yeah. was hitting some some uh, bumps and I almost gave up. But the last yeah. time I did it, it took me like two or three tries. And I was like, OK, because I, I, at the third time I was like, if it doesn't work, I'm going to take a break. I wasn't giving up, but I was going to take a break. That's crazy. Um, but it worked out and it's it, I have a just a virtual practice right now. Yeah. Hence the resilient part right there, right? Resilient. So, yeah. so when yeah. I when I was starting my practice, um, I was going through the same thing, a lot of obstacles. And I remember uh, I was working full time at the time and I was like, OK, I got to start the practice. I got to open up an S Corp or a LLC. And I was trying to go through that process. And I mm-hmm. went through a couple people that kind of like duped me and they were like, yeah, we'll set you up and just pay us like two thousand dollars and we'll handle it all. And I paid them, and uh, like three months later, I'm like, "Hey, dude, where is my like 
business oh, license wow. or, and they didn't have anything for me. So I remember going through that and feeling so discouraged. And I had this call with somebody who's like a very, uh, he's very, he knows his way around business. And he was like, why are you trying to open an LLC or an S Corp? I'm like, well, I want to start a business. It's like, if you want to start a business, just start it, just start doing what you want to do. He's like, all that stuff is, is just for paying taxes. Like you can figure that out later. So I'm like, oh, you can do that. So I, then I just started just practicing. Oh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. So I, I mean, because we don't know, we like, you know, we're not business people. We're not, mm. we're just walking into this business world sort of like unequipped and blind, <laughs> but it was like nice. Cause that was, I was like, okay. Well then, I'm just gonna start printing business cards and uh, getting my and You're then like, like a, <laughs> getting this shit rolling. I'm just gonna get it rolling, and I got my first client. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, now how do I? And I figured everything out. So no, see, we're kind of opposite in that sense. I have to go in order. Yeah, like yeah. I had to figure out the business license, and I had to do like a DBA because of the name. Uh, and I couldn't move on to the next. So after I did that, I did my business card. Yeah, and then I set up my pages. My directory so like I, ha I I kind of have that track of like doing things in order and if I can't figure something out like I have to figure yeah it out. I'm like that naturally I feel like that's because we went to school and they've <laughs> trained us to like you gotta like do this then this you know? <laughs> yeah. so it kind of like yeah it's it's good to, it's a good skill going to back have, to yeah, perfectionism yeah. it's kind exactly. of a touch of that no, for real. <laughs> yeah. um, so having Liz on the podcast anytime we bring on an LMFT or anybody that's in the field we just we always want to ask the question why like why do you why do you do this what what draws you to the field what's what ignited the fire i guess for you yeah that's a that's a deep question here we go <laughs> she told you to start deep dog. <laughs> Get the whole thing the spiel. No, no. Oh, wait a second. It's, no 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 it's fine it's fine no, wait, are you gonna, can you give me the answer in spanish though no i okay. can't that's that's not happening okay. sorry gosh way to put her under pressure no, we missed the whole spiel where we're gonna we do the, yeah you got yeah so. we gotta do that on the next episode next podcast yeah yeah so, so to answer your question uh i was 13 we, we had career day that's a young age there. yeah and the principal sister came in and she was a social worker principal sister yeah oh oh, oh of, I, I of got the you, got middle you. school where I was. I was like did you go to catholic school <laughs> like, yeah. no the middle the principals sorry the middle school's uh, the principal sister yeah I yeah, yeah. yeah. miss said that um and she talked about being a social worker and i was oh. like oh that sounds really nice like help the idea of helping people um, and that's the first time I got an introduction to anything like that. So something got ignited. Like I got like excited about it. I don't have like specific memories, but I just remember something was happening about when I heard about it. Um, so that's when it started. But to answer more of like the why, um, I was born with um, a disability called cerebral palsy. Um, and then at seven years old, I unfortunately lost functioning in one of my kidneys wow. and at 11 I uh, developed epilepsy which a lot of people with cerebral palsy end up developing okay. epilepsy because uh, what happens is it's like damage to to the brain for me I'm a twin so uh, there was just not enough space I, I sense oh. Um, oh. so yeah and just kind of again I like to educate people because they don't know a lot about the disabilities yeah please uh, do it like so in this moment the why is kind of like shit was hard like I had a lot of medical appointments I was teased I had to do things that my siblings and other kids didn't have to do like physical therapy my mom would get on me about water and it was just like I can't have you know coca-cola so it was like all these like little things but it all piled up and some of the procedures were kind of traumatic that I had to go through because um, I also had surgery at seven um, so it was a lot it was really overwhelming and I don't think that my family had the tools necessary to like uh, tend to me emotionally I'm, sh I'm I'm assuming I'm pretty confident that I know it was a lot for them too sure yeah. there was probably some discomfort in seeing the pain that I had to go through and it was distressing for them so again I, I always like to validate that pe parents and family members do the best that they can um, but it was just a lot and I don't feel like I was managing it well yeah. um, so in a sense part of my wanting to get into this work is to be for people what I felt I needed mm. um, and and that's for you know I have clients that are teenagers that's really special work for me um, 
so that's part of my wow. my why. What is that? I don't know if you if it's simple to define that, but like what it what is do you feel like you needed like going through through all of that? Um, like validation, mm. empathy, yeah, um, coping. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I just I my little brain could not understand why all those things were happening to me at one time it felt really unfair it felt like life was against me for a really long time um it didn't and it didn't stop then you know because then it you know started to become difficult to get employment uh i was working at walmart for 10 years i couldn't get out because part of the one of the barriers that i can speak to is um i have to take medication so i can't be without insurance and, you know, it's easy for people without medical conditions to be like, I'm going to leave this job and do this one, even though I might not have insurance. So I would get stuck at Walmart because, you know, you have to wait like three months. Back then it was different. They do it a lot faster now. Um, like the probationary period. Yeah. Before, like, yeah. again, another I felt restricted. Yeah. There, so there was a lot of feeling of restriction. Um, and again, I, I just don't think that like my family really understood what that was like for me. Yeah. Um, it was very frustrating. And then, you know, even socially with like dating, there's discrimination, you know, people don't understand and they make judgments. So it was in all these different facets that I was having this different experience. But with my family, I was, I was just Liz. Mm -hmm. But I I was at this point, like I try to explain to them, like, I'm this way for you. But when I walk out into the world, Mm -hmm. my experience has been different. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine just like as like a you said a 13, 11 year old girl mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. trying to process just mm-hmm. like the world's against me, like how heavy of a mm-hmm. experience, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that's so awesome that you could draw some inspiration from that. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, like I've always said that when things got really rough, because I, I can tell you it got pretty dark for me sometimes. Yeah. But, um, what always kept me going was wanting to help people Wow! it's just always it always was the goal and I was like I know I need to do that I don't know how it's going to happen or if it will happen but like that would motivate me to keep going I was going to say during I have a couple questions during the 10 years like at Walmart where you just like was that like the end goal was like I'm going to or you were slowly like working towards that I was was getting my bachelor's at that time gotcha but it took me eight years to get my bachelor's degree Mm. so it took me double the time yeah I was not the best uh, student. So uh, when I say like things were not easy for me, it's like it's like a a lot of things were not easy, Um, you know, because my my twin and my older sister would always get like the the good grades. I was always like the one to get C's and that was like me getting an A. Mm. So um, uh, for me, I'm the only one in my household that's gotten a master's degree. So. it's just kind of crazy. That's like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like what's happening right now in my life is really insane because it's beyond anything I would have imagined happening for me. Wow. I love that story. I mean, there's so much resilience in that story. And I even have a, res- uh, a resilient, a lotus tattoo. That's where the name of my business started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there a, a, I don't know about plants too much, but lotus is a plant, right? Mm-hmm. Lotus. It's and like a flower. It's a I flower. Think. What connection is there? A connection with Lotus and like resilience and your story. So that the 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 thing with the Lotus is they say it grows through mud. Oh. Which is like. Yeah. Shit, shitty like situation. Not the best environment. Yeah, yeah. And, and despite that, like it still grows into the beautiful flower that it is. That's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. that is essentially like what I feel my life has been. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. What. Uh, just kind of wondering I don't know I remember going through um, getting my I was getting my bachelor's and sort of looking for guidance as to like what I wanted to do with my psychology degree Mm -hmm. and there'd be people pushing me towards LMFT and then people pushing me towards LCSW Mm -hmm. and and kind of feeling confused as to like which Mm -hmm. one do I go Mm -hmm. there's so many good arguments for the you said you talked to a a social worker But oh, no, you no. are an LMFT, right? Yeah, no, the social worker when I was was when I was thirteen, so that was like my introduction. Introduction, okay. What? So, did you have that conflict as well, where you kind of like wondering which route you wanted to go to? Or? Honestly, it didn't end up becoming a conflict. Let me tell you the story, which is another important element to to my story. 
again, that was my introduction. So I did up until um, getting to Cal State Fullerton want to be a social worker. I was okay. going to work at DCFS. Okay. Okay. Supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> but then. Uh, the, that's the Department of. Uh, children and Family Services. Okay, Children and Family as Services. A, as like social worker for kids that like get removed and things like that. Okay. Wow. But yeah. then um, in Cal State Fullerton, they have this class called Character and Conflict. And oh my gosh, it changed my life. So what it is is that you walk into the classroom and the professor starts telling you about his life. I had a, I had a professor that was like, he, he was like a, like a hippie man, but like in a cool way. Yeah. Um, so he was like really open about his life. And then at the end of the class, he split us up into groups of eight okay. and each group went into a separate classroom and you sat in a circle. And then there was two people that had taken the class the year before. So they were facilitating the group this year okay. or the year that you're in. Yeah. it. So there's facilitators and there's members and he would present books for us to read or topics. And we would have like open and did like deep conversations about um, life. And I even remember he uh, he had us write on a piece of paper, like what was missing from your childhood, like something that you didn't get during childhood. Wow. Yeah. And that's what we talked about in, in the class that, or in the group that day. So then I became a group facilitator. And in that process, you start learning about the theories. Mm. And I really was drawn to Adler. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it was over after that. Like, wow. from that class to learning about the theories, I was like, nope, therapy's where it's at. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah that's I like the intimacy of it. Yeah, I um, love that. Yeah. That's amazing. I had, like, a, I was going to become a social worker as well. <laughs> and I, I remember touring all these, like, I went to, like, five different uh, interviews to get into, like, a master's program. I chose five social work schools and one MFT school because people were telling me at the time, better to go social work. There's more job opportunities. LMFT is a little more constricted as to what you can do. But it's not really the truth. Well, it wasn't. I mean, actually, maybe it was the truth back then. I don't know. But now I feel like we're kind of the A lot of jobs will say LMFT the same. or LCSW. Or LCSW. So I wonder if it wasn't that way before. Um and then I went to all these like social work schools and I was like, this is cool, you know, like sure. exciting. And then mm -hmm. I went to an LMFT um, interview and like they were presenting the program and I'm like, no, <laughs> this is it right here. <laughs> it was like in social work, you're going to learn about like, Case like legal stuff, yeah. admin stuff, like state. I'm like policy. I'm like, <laughs> what? And then like, oh, yeah, we have like five therapy classes, too, that you're going to take. I'm, and then. In uh, Chapman, I w they were like, oh, yeah, couples therapy, family therapy, child therapy. I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where it's at right there. You know? so. And it's funny because I was like, I was set on Long Beach because they had okay. a really, um, really good social work program. Yeah. And I was bummed that I didn't get in. I went to Cal State because I didn't have a choice. Cal oh, State wow. Fullerton. Yeah. yeah. But life was trying to take me there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So part of our podcast is we like to, we, you know, we, we demystify the process of therapy by showing people, therapists behind the face of therapy, right? Like pe sure. therapists are people too, you know? Yeah, I say that in sessions all the time. And we struggle mm -hmm. and we, we, have we have problems. We go to therapists to see, you know, so we're human. And um, that's probably what makes our, our work so great with people is that we have that relatability. What, have, have you ever seen a therapist at all? Have you Several times, yeah. yes. Do you, uh, would you talk a little bit about like your experience with that? Just like, I guess we'd like to know, you know, if like mm -hmm. what your beliefs were about therapy, maybe before you started seeing your therapist um, and how that process was for you the very first time you went to therapy. I mean, I don't ever think I had negative beliefs about it because, again, I've always been sensitive. I've always, I've always been like inquisitive. Um, so... I don't think I had any negative beliefs around it, but like I, when I hadn't done it, the first time I did it was at Cal State Fullerton. I just didn't know what to expect. Mm. Um, but I knew it was, it was, the intention was for it to be helpful. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous when I first would go. How old were you when you started? Um, my, if I was at Cal State Fullerton, so it's gotta be like early twenties. Oh wow. Or mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. I forget how old I was when I was there. Yeah. Um, but, um, 
Yeah. So the one thing that I like like to speak to is I've only had one therapist that really helped me. Mm. And out of the few that I've seen, um, like as far as it being like transformative yeah. for me. Um, Would you say those other times were like, were there bad, exp- I mean, not bad experiences, but something didn't click for you? There or? was a couple that were bad. Okay. Um, and there was a couple that were supportive, but they just didn't take me to like. Any good stories? The next level. <laughs> With the bad? Uh, you don't have to. No, no, no. <laughs> Even like what? what we want why? the name of the therapist <laughs> and the story. <laughs> License number two. <laughs> I think the reason I want to bring that up because some people will find a therapist and it's almost like they'll either stay with a the therapist because it's like. This is what this yeah. is what it is. Yeah, right. Or maybe I made so much effort. I'm like, this is yeah, this is what therapy is. So instead, mm-hmm. people do have some really poor experiences with therapists. And I don't want to say there's no. There's, I, see, I hear scary stories. Yeah, there's and I, I say this. I mean, I'm not trying to shit on the field, but like there are <laughs> there are people there are bad therapists out there. I've worked okay. with them. I've seen them. Like they're attacked, and I'm just like, you are kind of you are basically showing somebody this is what it is when it isn't. So like, but yeah, and there's levels. There's bad therapists yeah. because you know maybe mm-hmm. they're like burnt out they never address their burnout yeah. they don't have a good sense of like am i am i good to become stuff, a therapist right now or their stuff isn't just worked through their stuff out. isn't worked through right. and then there's also therapists that aren't bad but they're just not for us right and like mm-hmm. every therapist has a different style so we're not counting on everyone you know um but but with the one of the bad ones it wasn't anything like juicy yeah yeah but she 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 seemed really distracted like she was writing notes or something in the middle of the session. And I write notes yeah. in the yeah. middle of my sessions, but like all my clients, I check in with them and they're like, you can't even tell. Or yeah. if a client's crying, like I don't. Um, you don't write I about. S- I stop. The way they're crying. Like. No, like I take the notes after. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she just seemed really like distracted. Mm-hmm. And I had another therapist, uh, which is my one of my more recent ones, where I was talking about opening up, trying to figure out stuff for the business. And it seemed like she was trying to take notes for herself. Like she didn't know any of it. So she was trying to get information from me yeah. about it. And I'm like, oh, no, this is enough. That's crazy. Really, real quick. I was going to ask just like she's a little away from the microphone. Do you think she should move she's in? She's good. She's good. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay, cool. She's good. I checked her already. All right, good deal. So. Good deal. Okay. So we're just checking. Yeah. So we keep um, going. That's so funny. Like. <laughs> I uh, I had a, a client come to me one time and, you know, I always like to ask, like, you know, when someone's been to therapy before, I'm like, what was your experience like? You know, mm-hmm. just to gauge like what they didn't like, what they liked to see if mm-hmm. one, if we're going to be a good match and two, if there's something I can incorporate in therapy to like make it a better experience for them. Sure. And so one time someone's like, yeah, like my old therapist, like and she was a cute little old lady, you know, and she was sweet, but she would always fall asleep on me. I'm <laughs> like, that's the worst. Wait, narcolepsy? Like, just straight <laughs> dropping or what? I guess she would just, like, always knock out, like, oh in therapy. Like, like, <laughs> she did, like, the, what is that, uh, the weekend at Bernie's, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like they tied her up and like she was just like there. I would be really <laughs> concerned and stressed for that person's well-being in the middle of the session Heck if they're yeah. falling asleep. I might want to call like an ambulance. I, like, know, like, yeah. I got problems. You got some serious medical problems right now. But, but to speak to your what you were saying about like sometimes clients will um, stay. They'll tolerate that, mm-hmm. right? They'll stay because they just think they're like this client was like, yeah, like I just, you know, I just wanted to give her chances and like I felt bad for like leaving I'm like don't feel bad for leaving like this is your time that's literally something I tell <laughs> all my new clients I, I tell them look like I am not everybody's cup of tea that's good so if I, you don't like how things are going obviously try to talk to me about it but um, I don't want you to stay with me if you're I'm not the best fit yeah I will find you a better fit that's yeah. cool Um, I also when I hear things that are like reportable i'm like let me educate you on the bbs and what that process looks like yeah um but again i wanted to highlight that like it's not just therapists there's like bad apples even within the medical field yeah. in general like doctors and mm-hmm. so Ooh. um it's doctors yeah. no i don't <laughs> yeah i just feel um no i just uh, it's it's a sense of like i think people really trust in doctors uh, blindly yeah mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times it's just um they look for um, 
answers. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. just uh, not all good guys no. wear white. Uh, yeah, I would say the white coat kind of gives us people a false sense of security, I guess, and it's just like people. Well, it's even even with us though. Like we don't have a coat, but like people come to us and they expect us to like kind of fix everything. Yes, it's exactly. Like we don't always do everything. Yeah. Give me advice. Like yeah. it's kind of like no, like yeah. I can't. I can't help you that way. Yeah. You know? so. What was it about your therapist that you found? that was good and transformative for you what what was there anything in particular that well, made it transformative for you or i don't know if you don't have there's to one details, there's one particular moment but I, I again i think it's important to um mention that she was an associate therapist uh, so she wasn't even licensed she was not licensed yeah. yet um and she was she was i think maybe younger than me hmm. i don't know how much younger or close to me in age but I, I think younger. But was anyway. that discouraging for you? Like not. No, like I'm highlighting. Initially, these. was it like uh, I don't know? So, so it's always um, a, a hesit like a hesitation when I don't have a person of color, and she was Caucasian. Okay. Um, but her age, not really. Okay. Um, because I was an associate at the time too, and I thought I was pretty, you know, solid as a therapist. Yeah. Um, not perfect, but just solid. Um, and we had a session one day and again, I've always been sensitive and I, I started to really feel like, I don't know, like that wasn't the way to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like a negative association with it. Um, cause I can easily cry about things. Um, and one day she just told me, she's like, Liz, she's like, have you ever, ever thought? that that's actually like a demonstration of you being an evolved person and that like you can express your emotions as they arise and that people can actually benefit from you like moving closer to how you are wow. like this thing that is like you and who you are is not a bad thing wow something to that effect that's really cool that you said i just i kind of had a seriously a similar experience this week with somebody who was like i cry way too much and i was just like that's something I think to admire and almost I look to because mm-hmm. so many people are blocked with that. Like they can't get to that. But I, the mm-hmm. fact that maybe, you know, you can ex- experience that emotion. I think that's just like it's freeing. There's yeah. just some pa- so much power. In Ever that. since that session, something clicked and I like felt this sense of empowerment. of like, no, like, fuck this. I'm like, fucking great. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> It still creeps in, but, like, not, it doesn't overpower me as much. Yeah, but she, like, shifted your ability to see this trait. Like, you saw Mm -hmm. it as a negative thing, and it's Mm -hmm. something you wanted to fix, quote-unquote. Or get rid of, yeah. And for her to, like, show it to you in a way of, like, this is beautiful. Like, this Mm -hmm. is an amazing trait. Like, that's, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, me and my wife, we do couples therapy, and Mm -hmm. we had a, we, we were doing it with one of, this therapist that we both really like and the she was skeptical about it you no know, therapy as it is but my therapist was able to highlight one of her traits she's um she's not very like emotionally what is it? she doesn't need to talk about emotions as much as i do you know mm. and so like i was kind of like saying yeah like she's just not like talking about her emotions very much and my therapist goes like well yeah i mean you're 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 more like emotionally ind- independent like you're mm. you know you kind of and abby was like oh my gosh she fell in love with like that statement <laughs> she was like yes like he didn't make me feel like there was something wrong with me i was like that's a win for therapy you know like she, she was more bought into the process so yeah that's a that's a tough um difference to navigate and it doesn't just happen in romantic relationships because yeah. i am like that like i i need to process yeah and you know i do have people in my life that are like yeah just kind of like skip over i don't need to talk about it yeah. or it doesn't need to be that big of a thing exactly but it's like it, it it's taken me time but it's coming to this place of like we're just different no yeah. no one way is right or wrong yeah yeah i was i wanted to bring up something just based on like your initial experience with therapy Growing up, I know you said your parents did the best they could, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But was there any like encouragement? Like it seems like you came up with this idea. I want to help people. Obviously, based on just your upbringing and your life and what you experienced. But did you see any examples in your family dynamic with people going to therapy, or you know, where was the encouragement for you to like enter this field, or was this just like a kind of thing that you like? You were like, I, I'm gonna hold on to this and I, I'm gonna do this. So for for the field itself, I didn't have any like anybody around me that was in it or Examples trying to or be anything, in it right? okay. no because my parent my, my my dad is but just to kind of answer your question a little bit in another way okay. my dad is a gardener okay and a landscaper and he came from mexico okay so i've always kind of acknowledged him in the sense of my work work ethic hmm. because um he hustled really hard yeah. you know and he came here at like 18 and you know we didn't really see him growing up because he was always working and now, like, the generational wealth that he's established for our family, like, it's on his hands, you know. And, and watching him kind of helped me, I think, to have that drive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I think the, the choice of the mental health field is all me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And just, like, what I was experiencing outside of my family. I was going to ask her. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. All right. You got a question, buddy? <laughs> cool. Well, I, I want to more transition to like um, the clients that she works with. And like, okay, what? Uh, look at you guys thinking. <sighs> I love him. I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the podcast. I'm really. enjoying this bromance. Um, so you go first. <laughs> no, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> you hang up. No, you hang up. Um, yeah. So you you are you specializing in working with? Uh, clients with disabilities or, or what, what 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 is your like niche that you're drawing to here so um, instead of making it a physical disabilities uh, niche it's a chronic illness chronic illness okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and what's that been like for you like what what kind it's, of clients are you seeing it's 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 honestly so initially I had the thought of physical disabilities but with um, the supervisor I had um, while I was getting my hours she guided me towards like considering chronic illness. I just had never had clients with chronic illness before. So once we decided like we were going to give that a try, we got some referrals and I got some clients um, with her. And um, I started realizing like, oh wait, like the themes are physical disability or chronic illness, like the themes were the same. Mm. So there was the element of my personal experience but like me seeing that the themes were the same, I was like, oh, I really have an avenue here. Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting because it allows me to challenge them in a way that somebody that doesn't have a condition can't. Because yeah. it, it's easy for us to go into the space of like, how are you trying to tell me what to do when you've never had to walk what I'm going through? Yeah. Um, but, you know, working with this population has its challenges, you know, because it's it can take a while to get through. Because, yeah. um, again, we all do things that protect us um, from wanting to not wanting to, but getting to a different place. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been really meaningful, even though there's some like challenging aspects. Yeah. Um, I'm able to do some really good work. I think as a therapist, it's at least for me, it's super important to yeah be able to like you said either have something in common or either have something in common where i can feel comfortable like challenging someone on, mm-hmm. on an issue mm-hmm. um or at least having enough experience to have worked with this certain mm-hmm. thing or problem or population or whatever mm-hmm. to where i can i can feel that confidence too because there are like i think one time i had a, a client who struggled with chronic pain Mm-hmm. And it was really tough for me to kind of like I don't mm-hmm. know where to go with this. A part of me want like I don't understand this enough to be able to, uh, yeah, to to be like, well, you know, what can you do? You know, like you know, if you can't go to the gym, right, because you have this chronic pain in your back, like what, what can you do? I don't even know if that's the right way to go with with that client, but like, mm-hmm. but I'm sure if I had that experience, maybe I would feel comfortable challenging on some of these ideas or well i think what can happen is they feel stuck yeah and then we feel the stuckness mm-hmm. and again i yes. have I, I have felt that stuckness even outside of chronic illness but yeah. that can be a theme that's present um 
And it, it can be overwhelming because you're like, what do you do? Yeah. Right. Because we have this thing that we can't change. Yeah. Um, but again, a big a big piece of it is validating them. Mm. Like I validate for a long time. It's like an ongoing process because yeah. a lot of times, again, that's what people are missing. Um, again, because people don't understand what the experience is like. Yeah. So it's yeah. easy to go into solutions. Everyone wants to fix it. Yeah. Everyone wants to. Yeah. Um, so it's just really hearing them out, giving them the space to like describe what the experience is. And yeah, I fucking get it, dude. It's it's I say it all the time. Like it's fucking frustrating. Yeah. Right. Like whatever the thing is that's going on. Um, but I also try to move clients into acceptance because we, we again we can't change it and if we're not accepting we're causing distress yeah so um those are a couple of the things that i sort of work towards yeah mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of the recovery field we, we've worked in recovery at times yeah. and, um a lot of times there is this experience that people in recovery have that they're different because mm-hmm. they'll never be able to drink again or mm-hmm. or use even if it's recreationally like marijuana or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and there is almost this feeling of like you know if you are quote-unquote called a normie that you never struggled with an addiction right and you drink and you can drink one drink and not go overboard uh you have this pushback of like well what do you know like what how can you tell me like that things are going to be okay or how can you give me advice if you don't know what that's like and so i've experienced that for sure on yeah. that end of things yeah but I, I think you know as as humans i i've talked about this before where we can make ourselves so fucking special yeah oh, yeah. in the way that it's detrimental mm. uh, like nobody fucking can understand me nobody gets what i'm going through my problems are so bad yeah like, like they're so unique that i'm so alone um, but our conversation just now proves that there's elements that are the same, yeah. even though the issue or the, the, the difficulty is different. And that's what I try to help clients in, in these chronic illness um, spaces understand. Like, even if it's not physical, people have emotional hurts or, you know, again, like sobriety. So yeah. like, so many different things that distress us as people. If you just open up to the idea that you're not so alone, you can get that connection. Yeah, you guys think it's too harsh to call that like like sort of being in a victim mentality, or um, does that feel really harsh to say? No, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's harsh. I just, I again, I just you got to be mindful of where people are on the yeah. journey. I think if that how that how those words are gonna mm-hmm. move somebody, mm-hmm. yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I think the idea of you know we get stuck in things. Um, everybody's been hurt I don't want to say everybody but a lot of people yeah a lot of people have been hurt they've been a victim of something it's, it's something what you do what you do with that experience mm-hmm. you continue to play in that or you can ultimately grow just like all of us we all have the opportunity honestly most of us have an opportunity to grow from something and make the, mm-hmm. I guess the best of that I mean in a lot of ways you were handed something you never asked for mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, and so what do you do with it mm-hmm. you found a way so it took yeah. me a long time though it did I was probably like I think I shifted a lot probably with that therapist I had actually it's around the same time graduate school yeah I think that really shifted things for me is that why it's you mentioned you said you like working with teens right yeah that's a really special is that population for for you is that because is it because just at that age there's there's just a lot of I don't know why is it why teenagers why, why that age why the demographic so um yeah i think it was a tough time um like middle school high school for me um and you know again like i said like there was some misfires between me and my family as far as like what i needed yeah um part of it was the experiences that we've discussed already but part of it also was um my dad has more traditional mexican values Mm. Um, so when I get like second gen clients and it's been like, not just like those that are Hispanic, I've, there's similarities also within the Filipino culture. Um, but helping to bridge the gap with teens and their parents when I'm able to, that's really meaningful to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Working with teens, do you find that they are more moldable, more resistant, um, so it's interesting. I find working with 
teenage girls a lot easier than the boys. The boys don't open up as much. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. It's yeah. well, not I, I don't want to say speak in absolutes. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's like pulling information. Yeah. <laughs> I get really short answers. Um but um yeah, so I think I've had more success with girls. Yeah. And the youngest I've worked with is twelve. So I I go younger, but that age range is tricky sometimes. For sure. I like more like the sixteen. There's some like teenagers I've worked with where I've started to really see that I have to incorporate play into like my therapy because mm-hmm. with some of the like especially like the younger teens, like the thirteen year olds, mm-hmm. there's sometimes some teens that like talking just isn't the way to go mm-hmm. and so i find myself like a little bit restricted like man like i'm asking too many questions or mm-hmm. i'm not too many but like i just the session you, is mostly me asking you questions. feel you feel like you're doing a lot of the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so like that's a long 50 minutes you know like <laughs> <laughs> um and so i'm i'm trying to challenge myself to um to expand my resources and like maybe i gotta bring in like some sand tray or i i've had when i was in person coloring or letting them draw. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel you on that. But doing telehealth, it's hard to do that. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to ask just in the sense, for chronic pain, like for working with addiction, you get that. It, it's a challenge, right? Because for, for us, a lot of times the chronic pain clients that are coming in, they're already addicted to the opiates. So it's kind of a hard um, measure on like, you know, we need to get you off this, but at the same time, we also want to address their chronic pain. Or how much are you actually trying to just like, in a sense, play off that you're in more pain than you're not? But your type of chronic pain, or like what kind of clients when you say like they're, ex- they're experiencing chronic pain? Are we talking different disabilities? Uh, is it? Well, again, like it's not always about like, I don't always have clients that it's chronic pain. Right. But it's. It's it's like um, conditions that don't go away. Got it. Okay. Some yeah. of them can cause pain or discomfort. Um, but. Um, but I, I guess just trying to clarify if there was a particular question. No, just, I mean, I guess just the different when you say it, it's not just like, hey, I've been having multiple back, back surgeries. That's not what we're talking about. When we say, like, we're talking about different, different, disabilities, different disabilities that they're experiencing. Yeah, right? like, you know, like it can be, honestly, chronic conditions are it's such a big umbrella. It can be. Yeah, that's what I kind of want to explain. Again, like, them. it can be like what I have, cerebral palsy. I have discomfort in my leg all the time. Yeah. It, it's always. Um, but or it can be um, having cancer. It can be having diabetes. Yeah, it's something that you have that again, chronic is essentially like it's long term. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and it can be long term and go away, or it can be like again, like I have epilepsy. Epilepsy is another one. Um, but it can be a wide range. Honestly, we can honestly think of like, um, you know, addiction in that sense. Yeah. Right. But right. like, it's like more medical related yeah. things. Yeah. Do you find do you talk a lot about grief with your clients like grief and uh, like loss like, like yeah. loss of like the idea of maybe yeah. what my life could have been or sure yeah because yeah. those are all feelings that I can you know resonate with because um, again so part of it is there's some clients that'll come in with a chronic condition and again most people have other stuff too like they'll have childhood stuff or whatnot and they're talking to me about the childhood stuff. And, and I'll probe about like what their experience has been with the chronic illness mm-hmm. and they start to open up to like oh shit like this has impacted me in a way that I didn't realize yeah um or <coughs> yeah like you know I've had clients where like a lot of the focus is the chronic condition in general yeah. and then come to find out it's actually the opposite where more of the distress and pain that they're experiencing is from some other event Mm. so it just really depends on the client Mm -hmm. um but if there's a client that they realize there's impact from the chronic illness and they didn't know about it before um it can feel like lost time yeah because they didn't work through it sooner Mm. or sometimes people will experience that loss because again not all providers have that specialty yeah and they weren't able to be helped so that feels like lost time as well. Yeah. Gotcha. But again, it's also the loss of socialization, you know, the loss of being able to date for some people. Yeah. Um, it can be a loss of employment. Yeah. Or being rest- like there's this uh, theme of restriction. Mm. Yeah. That can come up. Yeah. I, 
kind of going back to um, talking about what you needed growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering um, what, like, I don't know if there's any advice you'd give to like parents if they are dealing with, uh, you know, having a child that has like either a chronic condition mm-hmm. or like how, like how to like, I don't know how to think about that or any tips about like what to do, what to feedback. How to work like how would you that. talk to your kids? Yeah, yeah. How would you, cause I, I, cause I'm thinking about like me and my wife have talked, we, we have, we have two kids, right? Mm-hmm. And every time we go through a pregnancy, we've gone through the pregnancy process. You, there's always these questions and decisions you have to make, right? Of like, they'll ask you, do you want to take these exams? Like uh, to see if Check like there's out. any, uh, mm-hmm any possibility of like you know your child coming out with a chronic condition Mm -hmm. so we we've always talked and like do we do this do we not would we they'd always ask us would you guys keep the baby would you not keep the baby so there's all these like really tough questions and so we've always talked about like you know i think it'd be for us anyway it'd be really be really tough like to to have a baby with a chronic condition but i think at the end of the day we'd want to we'd want to keep a baby right and like yeah because again again because there could be signs of a chronic condition but again even with cerebral palsy it's such a spectrum Mm -hmm. i got very very lucky with all the conditions i have i'm very fortunate Uh which is odd to say yeah because there's some aspects of it that are not lucky yeah Yeah. but they're not as severe yeah um but again just looking at, at cerebral palsy you can see people like me that just have like a limp or you know loss of function in the arm mm-hmm. but there's on the other side there's people in a, a wheelchair they don't they can't really eat um they need a lot more assistance yeah. but how do you know how what you're know? gonna get right yeah. so yeah. like if in in asking that question uh, i think about it and it's weird because if if my parents were to have been told that and asked that yeah there's a possibility i wouldn't be here right like and that that feels kind of yeah like are we less worthy because we're different right Uh, right. but again it's such a nuanced complicated thing because you don't know yeah something we went through during that decision process was i almost went through a little bit of a grieving myself before Mm -hmm. even having like knowing anything but i kind of like grieving the idea of like i gotta check my idea of these like perceptions of what i think parenting is going to be mm-hmm. what i think raising a child is going to be in this mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. because it could be different than mm-hmm. i than i have in mind right mm-hmm. like i i envision like me and my daughter like walking going around somewhere like playing soccer and like that might not be the case you know mm-hmm. if if you have a, a a condition that comes up and so sort of like grieving the idea of like hey like check yourself and it's like just kind of see what this experience is going to be like without any like preconceived notions again, or assumptions. condition or not like you got to check that yeah because some parents are like oh my kid's gonna play football exactly. and oh, they're, gonna, they're gonna be a doctor these expectations yeah. are creating and for then, them and already. then the kid ends up living a life for the parent and yeah. not for themselves yeah. I want to make sure we go back though, because I don't think I answered your original question. Yeah, I guess that, which that's which is which is the advice. The advice, yeah, like yeah. What advice feedback, yeah, yeah, feedback yeah. for uh, parents. Yeah, that's the therapist in me. I track. <laughs> I like it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard for me to say, because again, it's interesting. I'm not a parent. Yeah. Right. Um, but, and I think this is all encompassing, whether you have a chronic con- a child with a chronic illness or not. Um, but listen to understand. Mm. And that's really uncomfortable. Like, again, we do it day to, like day in and day out. It's, it's hard to hold space. But a lot of people try to fix. Or it's not that bad, you know. Or you're, you're fine. You're just like, you know, everyone else. Whatever the comment is of trying to make the kid feel better or make it go away. That like, would feel so minimizing if that like, was me. Like, you're minimizing like, my experience. Yeah, like. it's like validate. Even if it's super fucking uncomfortable for you validate their feelings Mm. and get them to a therapist um, that can support them or even around other children that they can relate to so they don't feel so isolated Um, and just like to like make it super simple validating can be simple as like like wow like i can understand how that feels like i can i can see that that that's really hard for you or like 
I'm so sorry, baby, that you feel this way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, fucking, like, obviously, if they're little, you're not going to say this, but essentially, like, yeah. it, I know it sucks. Yeah, this does suck. Yeah. 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 And it's hard to stop there. Like, even right now, as yeah. it, it's hard to stop that. Yeah, this does suck. Yeah. And not to not be like, but it's going to be okay. You know? Just like, embrace the suck because things suck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you process and problem solve later. Yeah. Wow. But it should be separate. Like validation should be the goal. You know what I love about that statement is that we're making an assumption that I believe in people is that people are resilient mm-hmm. and that people like have the resources already within them to be able to move through pretty much anything in this world. Mm-hmm. And what I love about not fixing is that like the fixing will come. Mm-hmm. Like the the, the 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 way to get through this will come. And all you just got to do is make sure that they're not going through it alone. Yeah. And it's like and that's mm-hmm. probably the best way to nurture those mm-hmm. resilience uh, mechanisms, right? And so it's Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. That's what I, I tell love my about clients that all the time. I don't have the answers. I'm here to help you find them. Yeah. You know, they're they're yeah. inside of you. Yeah. Um we really like a lot of the work is a lot of it is like um I just said that twice. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll cut that out. No repeating words. <laughs> Perfectionism. Uh, <laughs> it's helping to expand people's perceptions like what they're seeing like we tend to zoom in on something and yeah. get stuck there and it's like no let's look over here or look over there um even i've had that like oh shit i didn't think about that when i'm in therapy right and when they start to consider these things that they've missed those connections start to come yeah so we're instrumental to their growth but we don't cause it you know like it's more right. them than us yeah the client that makes sense yeah i think um, I want to thank you because I feel like I became a better therapist just like listening and having this conversation with you mm-hmm. because I think before we started talking, I, 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 I was thinking about like, you know, the, working with uh, clients with chronic illnesses. I'm like, that sounds really scary to me, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, I've, I, cause I don't have one cause I, I don't know what it's like, but like just having this better understanding of like, it's validation. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like everything you do with every client that comes in here. Like it's like yeah. there's nothing different. Like you know, and so I'm like, okay, like our, that our, makes this so much like our needs are no different than yours. yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think the it, way that we get them met might look different, but the needs are the same. Yeah, yeah. we're human. We have this commonality aspect, we, we, which we said, you know. Yeah. So yeah. we want to feel understood. We want to belong. You know, pretty basic. Same universal needs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. So. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Anything else? That no, we man. Just thank about? you so much, Liz, for coming on the show. Is there anything else? I know you brought up at the intro, like your, um, your, uh, your practice. Yeah. So anything else you'd like to plug? Yeah. I mean, if anybody feels like they could benefit from working with me, you can check out my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Again, it's Resilient Lotus Psychotherapy. It's got a link to my, my profile on Latinx. There's also an article that kind of shares my life story. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah. And you, um, you do a bunch of lives, and so like, there's like, oh, it's so cool. I'm, that I'm starting to. You're starting to. Yeah, there's yeah. going, getting people to really know who you are, and like, you mm-hmm. know, what you're specializing in. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you have an IG, so yeah. we'll promote that on the. We'll put that on the description for people to watch as well. Sure. And you're taking clients, so. Yes, I am accepting yeah, clients. So very cool. Cash thank, pay. Thank you so much for need that money. Cash money. No insurance right now. <laughs> no, just, in, just no, not right now. Maybe <laughs> soon. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> you do in person and virtual. No virtual. Right virtual now. only. Yeah. Okay, virtual. So thank you so much for coming thank out. You, really. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it.